Alright, we're back. It's your host, Rob Morris. You listen to the Rims and Nets podcast, episode 37, part 2. Alright, so we're going to get into get into uh, my previews of the East, the East bracket of the NBA playoffs, which kicks off tomorrow night. I'm excited about it. I hope you guys are too. Um, so at 4 p.m., um, basically it's going to be two against seven: the Toronto Raptors versus the Brooklyn Nets. Um, this should be an easy, easy series for the Toronto Raptors to win. Um, they basically are playing a D-League team right now. I just you look at. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets roster right now. I mean, there's no Kyrie Irving. There's no Kevin Durant. There's no Spencer Dinwiddie. There's no DeAndre Jordan. Um, many others as well. I mean, Torian Prince. I think. I mean, they they are missing probably. Maybe if if they were healthy, you know, Durant and all of them are healthy. They're missing their top seven players. And all they have left are probably those main rotational pieces are Joe Harris, Karis LeVert, and Jared Allen. Those are probably the main three pieces you'll find in the rotation next year when everyone's healthy next year. You know, this is going to be... This should be a very short series. The Raptors don't put away the Nets in four to five games. I had to wonder, like... What's going on coaching-wise for, for, for Nick Nurse to not be able to put this team away very early? Why waste time and, you know, give yourself your team some rest and put this team away early? Because this team is probably the worst playoff team that I've seen in a long time. And obviously it's because of the circumstances. I mean, you know, the coronavirus kind of, you know, put guys out that, you know, that didn't want to play any. I think they signed Jamal Crawford, too, and Jamal Crawford bailed on it as well. Michael Beasley, they signed Michael Beasley. He bailed on it as well. So, I mean, pretty much most of the guys bailed on bailed on the team as well as, you know, the, you know, the current injuries with Kyrie and Durant. So, it's a very different team out there than you would normally would see. So... Unless Karis LeVert has 50 points every game, I don't think the Nets have a chance to to do anything against a, a Pascal Sakian led Raptors team. They still, you know, Raptors still have Kyle Lowry. They still have Gasol, Abaka. I mean, they they, they got uh, Van Fleet had a very good playoff run last year. You know, en route to a championship. You know, led by Co- uh, Ka- uh, excuse me, not Kyrie, Kawhi Leonard, of course, led that. You know that that national uh, not national championship. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking about college basketball right now, but uh, but that championship team to to pretty much do what they did. A lot of those guys, uh, which are playing on this Raptors team now in this run, are, are pretty much left on the team. So I expect the Raptors to really. You know, pretty much easily beat the Nets in four to five games. It should be no more than four to five games. Should be a quick series. All right, so the next series, you get your hometown Boston Celtics. If you know, if I got 
any New England listeners. You got the hometown Boston Celtics playing against the six seeded 76ers. So it's a matchup versus three versus six. Celtics a three seed, Sixers a six seed. Um, the biggest question is how will the Sixers do without Ben Simmons? Ben Simmons, obviously out with the apparent, he's apparent knee injury that he's out with. So, so I mean that is going to be the toughest thing to, for them to figure out. Obviously, Joel Embiid has to play out of his mind for them to have a chance every game. But that's expected. I think Embiid's going to have a big series against the Celtics. Celtics don't have great size. I think Sixers are going to exploit it. I think the Sixers might have a big big lineup with Al Horford and Joel Embiid. So they have no choice but to exploit it with that lineup. Tobias Harris is also your three. Tobias Harris stands at 6'9", 6'8", 6'9". So they got a huge front line. Richardson at the two, and they have Shake Milton. That's a very big point guard. So, Sixers already coming in have a size advantage. That's probably the advantage that they're going to have. But obviously, the offense of the Celtics is probably the toughest thing to stop for the Sixers. I think the Sixers are going to have a hard time scoring at times. If the Celtics have a good plan for Embiid, double team him, probably put a lot of uh, a lot of minutes. What uh, Canner probably will play a lot in this series to, to defend and beat at times, but I think I think Stevens would be smart to bring uh, to put the whole kitchen sink on him, kind of you know put different guys on him, you know as well as Cantor. Also put Tice on him, Robert Williams, Grant Williams at times. Even though I think that'd be a huge mistake to put Grant Williams on him, but uh, I mean just to give him different looks. Maybe you have Jalen Brown on him. Maybe you have Tatum on him. I don't. I don't think Tatum will be on him. But you never know. Just put just put different guys on him. Kind of make things difficult for him, and that way he doesn't have to easily dissect who he's on and knows exactly how to play him. When he's playing defending against uh, when he's on against different players, I think it's going to be difficult for him to kind of get himself into a rhythm. So that's always a good plan. You know, most coaches tend to do in the playoffs. They like to um, do that to kind of get players out of their rhythm. So I think that's going to be a good strategy. As for the Sixers' uh, plan of attack, I have to say Tobias Harris has to have a big series. Um, Josh Richardson has to have a big series, which I think Josh Richardson had a great a great time playing against the Celtics all year long. He's killed the Celtics all year long. Um, as a result, I'm a Celtic fan, so I know firsthand what Richards has been able to do against us. Especially in the last game. I thought uh, Josh Richardson had a huge game against us in the last game. I think it was the the third game that they played against. Um, the, the Sixers won the season series. I think they won 3-1. to one. The Celtics ended up winning the last game against them, but they pretty much have dominated the season series, and Josh Richardson was a big part of that. But uh, the Celtics haven't really fi- haven't seen much of Shake Milton yet. Shake Milton's kind of uh, progressed uh, during the year, and he's become really a, a, a key component to their team right now and to their rotation. Even if Ben Simmons wasn't, uh, even if Ben Simmons was playing. 
Jake Milton would be probably in the rotation as probably their backup point guard. So he's definitely developed into something special. Um, played had a probably his breakout game was the game against the Clippers. He had like you know he had a thirty point game that night and just dominated shooting the ball. I think he had seven or eight threes in that game. Was just brilliant at shooting the ball in that game. Very good at slashing as well. He can do both. Doesn't have much of an in-between game, but more, like I said, he's usually a guy that's going to shoot threes and usually a guy that's going to drive to the rim. So, And he's a pretty good he's a pretty good passer. He played point guard in college and probably can, that's probably, that's probably his somewhat natural position. He's kind of, he's a scorer, but he still has point guard skills that he can play the position, you know, at this level. So... That's what you'll see. You'll see that's their lineup. You have Shake Milton, uh, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris, Al Horford, and, and Joel Embiid. As for the others, for the Sixers, I think um, Corksmus has to have a big series, and Mike Scott has to have a big series. Um, they playing Robinson the third as well. So they also got Alec Burks. All they pretty much all got those guys from the Warriors in that. Uh, trading deadline trade so Sixers they they look they look good but I just don't think they have enough offensive firepower to match the Celtics I think the Celtics should should have it should be a six game six game series I think the Celtics win in six you know they might have a few struggles few hiccups but I think the Celtics will end up winning the series in six all right, for the games on Tuesday. So at 1.30, you got the number one seeded Milwaukee Bucks against the number eight seed Orlando Magic, which should be somewhat of a home game for the Magic, even though there's no fans. But they're playing right at home in Orlando. Um, the key thing is just how is the Bucks? How's excuse me? How's the Magic gonna? Stop the potential MVP, you know, you know, Greek freak. How are they going to defend him? We all know the answer. Oh, just, you know, put five guys in the paint, keep them from driving. But some, sometimes that just isn't easy to just just say that and just that end up being the plan and it be, end up being an effective plan. I just think the Bucks have enough weapons around Greek freak that – even a Greek, even if you do that to Greek Freak, Greek Freak can still hurt you by uh, giving the ball off to Middleton, giving the ball off to Bledsoe. Brooke Lopez shoots the three as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of spacing around uh, around Greek Freak and, and Giannis to kind of do what he wants to do, even, even if you were to sag off of him and make him shoot the jump shot. And he's been... Fairly effective at it this year, even though that's still his weakness. He's still been fairly effective at it. Can hit it at a decent clip, so he'll take them. He he doesn't mind taking them at all, even though he, we all know that's what he wants to drive and get in the lane and penetrate. He's going to take that jump shot when it's given to him. So and just like it's just it's just so many skills that he has. He's able to rebound the ball at a high rate. So sometimes he can go end-to-end with the basketball and 
off the rebound. So it's just a lot of things you got to account for. Um, as far as I know, if I had to say the best chance for them to do, Aaron Gordon would have to be on him 100% of the time. I don't think they have anyone else that can guard him athletically that has his size and athleticism. Aaron Gordon, kind of a, kind of a, uh, a power forward fit into a small small forward af- uh, athletic body can kind of match up with him athletically. So if Aaron Gordon is healthy, which that's kind of a question mark, but I have heard that he's dealing with a hamstring injury. But, you know, maybe they might be able to see him maybe in the, in the you know, maybe game three, game four. He might miss the the first two games, but uh, that's going to be tough. But uh, as as of for Evan Forney, which is also on the injury report, Evan Forney looks like he will be a go for game one. So as he did practice on Saturday, because he's recovering from illness. But uh, I still think think it's not it's it's going to be enough. They just they're going to struggle offensively. I mean, obviously, the main guy to go to is uh, Nick Nick Vukovic inside. Very good uh, post player, very good rebounder. Nick Vukovic has to be make an impact out there for the match to have a chance. But I just don't think they have a chance at all. Even if Nick Vukovic has has a twenty and twenty game every game, it just won't matter. And I just don't think it's enough with the Bucks bench and all that. They're just they're gonna really really overwhelm the magic with all their with all their speed and skill level on the perimeter. So I think the Bucks should win easily. It should be it should be a a, a sweep. I th- I think it'll be a sweep. I don't see the magic winning any game in that series. It should definitely be a sweep. Alright for the last game in the East that may be the most entertaining and probably the most equally played between the two teams or equally matched between the two teams is the number four seeded Indiana Pacers versus the number five seeded Miami Heat. Um, obviously, it's, it's tough loss for the Pacers. They don't have Sabonis. I don't expect him to be available for this series, but um, good news is that T.J. Warren... Has been dealing with uh, uh, he's been dealing with plantar fasciitis. He's expected to play game one. He did practice this weekend. Um, who knows how well he will be, how how healthy will he be, and how will it affect his game? But I, we all know what he's been doing in the bubble. T.G. Warren has been great, a great player in the bubble, one of the emerging stars. And I just think he's a huge X factor. Another key I would say is the Heat's death. I mean they, they're literally ten deep. And I think ten of those guys are gonna play substantial minutes. Maybe even eleven deep. They can go eleven deep. That's how deep they are. Jimmy Butler, we all know he's gonna he's gotta have a big series. But uh I think probably the biggest thing Jimmy Butler can do is not 
He doesn't have to be a scorer for the Miami Heat to be successful. Obviously, if he scores, it's a plus. But I think if he can continue, if he continue to show that he's one of the best defenders in the league and and shut down T.J. Warren and 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 potentially Vic, Vic Oladipo, which Oladipo we all know is kind of an X factor, kind of a quiet player that people are not not expecting much from because he's still recovering from his uh, ACL injury. Just got back not too long ago, you know. Before. But once he gets his timing back, Oladipo, I just think he could be a guy that can get you 30 and, you know, be a dominant force at getting to the lane and be that secondary score that T.G. Warren needs so that way it's not all on T.G. Warren. It's crazy that I'm kind of flip-flopping things where T.G. Warren is the, the lead guy, but that's how it looked in the bubble. T.J. Warren has been the lead scorer for the Pacers so far. So, you know, kind of Oladipo has had to take a back seat to him because he's played so well. So, if Oladipo can be that secondary scorer for the Pacers, I think the Pacers have a chance to win this series. Even without Sabonis being out. Miles Turner is obviously a great defender. Can block shots. Pretty good rebounder. But the Heat can struggle on offense sometimes. Which I know that Jimmy Butler can be a guy that can can give them that offensive punch, but I mean I, w- I wouldn't say Jimmy has really had that role this year. He's kind of been a guy that's, that does everything for the team as well as score. But I think he's you know more valuable as a defender in this type of matchup. And I think it's going to be, overall, I just don't think it's going to be teams that are, this is kind of going to be your old school, defensive-minded, hard-nosed, gritty type of series. I don't expect a lot of points to be scored in this one. I think defenses will kind of, defense will be at a premium for both of these teams. And, and, and whoever scores the most will obviously win the series, of course. But I just think. Out of who's probably the better offensive team, I would have to say maybe the Pacers. I think Pacers can score a little bit more than the Heat can. So I, I have the edge going to the Pacers winning the series. I think the Pacers win the series. I think the Heat are still a young team besides Jimmy Butler. They're a pretty, pretty young team, and they kind of haven't been there yet. Well, and I just don't think their offense will be enough where the Pacers have a lot of flexibility to score and, and and they play pretty good defense as well but I think they have enough flexibility to score a lot of points as well so I have the Pacers winning the series in seven this should go to, go to seven this should go to distance it should be a seven game series and I have the Pacers squeaking out in game seven all right so we're gonna take another break we're gonna quickly run down the Western playoff matchups, get you my keys for that, give you the predictions as well. So we'll be right back. This is your host, Rob Morris. Listen to the Rims and Nets podcast. We'll be right back. <laughs> 